Faith Lights Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the second Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 19th, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we are in the season of Pentecost. Like we kind of talked about a little bit last week, this is a season of growing. This is a season where we really dig into some things. This is also the week that we are going to have alternative readings for the Old Testament text. We're bringing that back here as we are getting into the summer season, so now we have more text, more readings to go through. And I think it gives the person, if they're preaching, more opportunity to have some different ideas, be able to play around with some of the different minor prophets. We'll be getting into a little bit more this year. But it also gives the ability to be able to go into some of these stories that don't necessarily always get the airtime or don't get as much focus throughout the year to be able to look at something like that and dive into that a little bit more is really fun and exciting in a way to bring something new to the worship experience. Again, like I stated, I think that this is the season of really growing. We're not necessarily leading up to the birth of Jesus. We're not leading up to the resurrection and the rising of Jesus through Christmas and Easter. This is the time that we really should be digging in and growing in our faith. And I think that's what makes this season so wonderful, and especially that we have it for as long as we do. So let's look back to last week's question of the week, which was, where else do you see triune to help you understand the triune God? And I got a really good response this last week that I hadn't even thought about, is when you're looking at a combustion engine, you're looking at some type of fuel compression and ignition are the triune to be able to make something like that happen. And I think that's one of the things to me is the more we look into the triune nature, whether it be the atom itself or looking into the triune nature of things around us, we start realizing that there are things that are built in threes to help us be able to understand how they are dependent upon each other to help us better understand the idea of having a God that is triune, that has three parts that are all dependent on each other. This, to me, is then super important because if we can better understand that and see that out and amongst us, this doesn't then seem as much of a foreign concept and more of something that then can be used to help understand how our God works and interacts with us on a day-to-day basis. So, Let's just jump into the text this week. The alternative first reading is out of 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 4, optionally 5 to 7, and then 8 through 15a. We have to realize that this is coming near the end of Elijah's time as a prophet. And so he has prophesied some things. He, and we have to remember at this point, Israel is under a king, Ahab, and his wife Jezebel is not real happy with Elijah because he has predicted things that she hasn't been real pleased about. He goes and runs, and as he runs away, I find it really interesting that he's just upset because he just feels that Israel has completely lost his way. So what does God do when he has gone away? He feeds him with cake and water, so like he was a little bit hangry but also then is trying to work with him. And he gets to this point here where in verse 10 that they've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that's seeking you. And God essentially states to Elijah here, go back. I have not forsaken you. I will not forsake you. 
And if you continue reading on, this is where we start having the transfer of Elijah into Elisha as one of the prophets. That yes, there are still people within Israel who are following, but it's going to be this shift of how this is coming and shift even in voice the transformation of where the prophets are going to lead the people of Israel. The alternative psalm that goes with that then is Psalm 42 and 43. And this plays a little bit more into that Elijah angst that we have where we're thirsting and we're looking for God and looking for it out in nature. And even in verse 1 of verse 42, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, Lord. This idea of how we are consistently searching and sometimes we feel inadequate, that we aren't living up to what God is expecting of us. So thus it causes us to doubt ourselves and feel like God has left us and feel like we're inadequate. And yet, as we go through, we realize that God, no, God hasn't said that we're inadequate. It's that we just need to be able to have the broader eyes of what God is saying and say, yes, there's a group of you keep processing on and I am going to continue to be with you and continue to work within the hearts of those who are maybe causing some disruption in front of you to be able to soften them, to be able to help open this up in a way that brings us all together. The other Old Testament text is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 to 9. This text is, again, in a similar vein in a lot of ways. Here we have Isaiah hearing what God is saying, and in the verse 7 verses, it's God giving justification of how he's frustrated with the people of Israel, how He keeps trying to be with them, saying that, yes, I'm trying to lead you, yet the people are rebellious. The people continue to fall short of the different goals and aspirations of what God had said. They give praise to false idols. They are doing things that are against what this relationship that they have bonded with God is all about. And then it comes at the last two verses where God says, I will still not forsake them. I still love them. I still care for them. They are descendants of me. They are people who I've made an inheritance. I've made a promise with, and yet I will continue to pursue them, that they will eventually understand this. So the psalm that goes with that is Psalm 22, verses 19 to 28. And this is then is more of a psalm to help us understand that we are crying out to God to be able to be in communion in congregation with all of us to be singing praise. And that in that, we recognize the awe, we recognize the power of what is going on, and that in that process, we are changed. In that recognition of what God is doing, we are changed. And that is then allows God to be able to penetrate within us more, to pursue us further, to be able to guide us more. The second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. This is the first week of three weeks in Galatians. Next week, we'll have the fruits of the Spirit text. But this is 
Paul is frustrated with the people of Galatia that they are trying to categorize people and they're trying to separate people. And we can definitely kind of understand that here in verses 28 and 29. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For you are one in Christ Jesus. And as if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to the promise. This idea of When we have faith, the faith of what Christ was all about came in, that freed us from this understanding of just following the law, but also it frees us from the boundaries that we as humans like categorizing people into, that now we are part of a much larger family, this family of God that brings all of us together. And so we're not necessarily trying to categorize people. We are trying to welcome them in together as a community. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 8 verses 26 to 39. This is a text of Jesus in Luke's gospel. It's been a few weeks since we've been here. The first time where Jesus is in foreign territory and is doing stuff. And so you have this man who has been possessed by demons. And so what have the people done? They've chained him up near the tombs to kind of make sure that he's controlled. And when Jesus is walking by, he cries out to them. Jesus asked for his name, which was Legion, for many demons had entered him. And when Jesus then is asking for the demons to be cast out, the demons want to go somewhere. They go into a herd of swine and go off a cliff. And when this all happens, then the people around come out and see what happened. They find the man who had been crazy with all these demons clothed in his right mind. So they were afraid and they aren't sure exactly what to be doing. And even the man is a little bit caught off guard. And so what does Jesus state? Return home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. So this idea again of how he is transformed, he is a new person because of what Christ did, what Jesus did in this person of being able to take these demons out of this person, not seeing him as something to be shackled and to be ignored, but instead being someone who, with God's help, being transformed into this person who has an amazing testimony of what God has done in their life. Before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussion. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help me bring this podcast. I really enjoy being able to look at not only their Working Preacher podcast, having three to four different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, but also having all the different commentaries from biblical scholars from all over the world, breaking down these texts, along with having an arc running through this lectionary cycle multiple times, having different takes on these, I find extremely helpful. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I highly recommend that also. I really like using them to look at all the text week to week, but I also really enjoy having the art there to be able to look at how 
different people throughout space, throughout time, throughout different areas of the globe have interpreted these texts. And it can be super helpful for us to be able to see and rationalize and see things in a new perspective. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. One of the things that I notice with going through these texts is our humanity within these texts. The humanity of how we often get really stuck. We get stuck at seeing where we're at right now. We get stuck with the idea of this is who they are and this is who they will always be. We get stuck with the idea of I have to carry this all by myself. We get stuck with the idea that this is the way that it's been done for generations and why would it ever change? And if we look through those texts that we just went through, these are themes that we find over and over and over again. What I find interesting about these is, and I'm going to get into two different examples, this isn't the way that the world works outside of human nature. When you start looking around us, we see things change and that's normal. For whatever reason, as we as humans, we like clinging on to what we know. And so thus we like creating boxes and creating hyperboles and creating assumptions that then can get us into a lot of trouble. So let's take, for instance, the very well-known cycle that you probably learned about as a kid, the frog cycle. Frogs lay eggs, and so you have these egg masses together, and when they hatch, they become tadpoles. Now, if you run across a tadpole, and you didn't know what it was, a tadpole is essentially kind of this head with a swimming tail, and it's a totally aquatic creature. And if you ran across a tadpole without knowing that this is not its final life stage, this is not entirely what it will become, if I told you that it would get to the point where a significant amount of its life would be outside of water, and that it would eat a lot of its food outside of the water, you would think that's very crazy. You would think that's that can't be. This is a tadpole. This is something that is dependent upon the water. It's dependent upon moving around. It's not really growing, but as it grows, it slowly grows legs. It slowly grows into more of a frog-like shape, and they slowly ventures out as a froglet to a frog to realize that, yes, there is a stage for this frog outside of the water. There is something that is greater that it can transform into, which means that we can't just pigeonhole it as something that's just in the water. In fact, we often will look at frogs as, yes, they will swim, but they're on top of the lily pads. They're on the shore. They're in and amongst and around us who are on the shore more than we are in the water. But yet they didn't start that way. We were looking at them as an early stage development, not seeing what they will become. Remember, God, I think a lot of times sees where we are, but also sees what we're going to become. And then it's us who get stuck at seeing where we are and who we have been and not focusing enough on who God is intending us to be. Let's take another example. And this is going to be a very broad overview here. I will attach some more detailed videos down below. 
But if you think about when you go and work out, whatever that workout is, in some form or fashion, there is recovery that is needed. And what is that recovery? That recovery is whenever you are using your muscles and moving your arms back and forth, that there is a slight amount of tearing in the muscle, which is 100% normal, and thus allowing the body through cytokines to go in to repair it, thus making it stronger the more times that it keeps forcing itself to continue to work and mold and shape these muscles to get stronger. Thus, to be able to become stronger physically in structural muscle, this is, We have to break things down, break down like our ideas, break down what we think we have to be able to break into something bigger. That means we can't stay put with where we are at. We have to be okay with the idea of putting ourselves out there to break down so that God can bring it back better. It means putting ourselves out there in a way that we're going to have to work to build. It's going to take something that is going to take this normal muscle, and the more I use it, the more times that it keeps needing to be rebuilt, 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 rebuilt. Suddenly, that normal muscle becomes a muscle that is much more developed, much stronger. It wasn't always that way. And yes, there's within muscle building, there is also hereditary stuff in there that maybe you are able to put on muscle faster, but this is not that much different than gifts that we have been given that maybe that you naturally are able to do things faster with whatever it is, but it doesn't mean that it's not impossible for someone who has a slower process of building up that it still can't make a stronger muscle. When I look at like the first Kings text with Elijah and knowing that it's we're moving into Elisha, the idea of where Elijah is and the way that he has been doing his prophecy and the way that he has been trying to help the people, that God is realizing that there is going to be a shift, but yet he still needs to feed Elijah and show Elijah, yes, there are still groups of people here that are following what I am saying just in a little bit different way than maybe you are expecting it. But I see it. When you start looking at the Isaiah text, how God can say that, yes, I get frustrated too. I get frustrated in the process of how long it takes. But yet, in that process, I realize that there is still promises that have been made and that progress will still be made, even though it might take longer than I initially expected. The process to be able to do this might take longer and it might be a long road to do this, but I'm not giving up. The process of becoming a frog doesn't just happen overnight. It's a process. The process of building structural muscle and building muscles that people see and you, it's a recognition of hard work. It's the recognition that that stuff just doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of doing it again and again and again and again to be able to get to that point. In the Galatians text, it's Paul recognizing that what we have clung onto is now needs to be transformed because this was our relationship with God. We were trying to follow the law. But yes, the law is great, but the law breaks down in that we have had direct communication with God through Christ. And in doing that, he kind of helped 
us better understand he was intending and what the law means, not just what our human interpretation is, that this is something that is more encompassing. This is something that's supposed to be welcoming all, not just a a select few. And we see that in the gospel text. Here is this man who has been under chains and shackles and has been seen as this unclean man. So the people, well, the best that we can do is we can chain him up near the tomb so he doesn't disrupt anything, so he doesn't cause more trouble. And yes, there is a point to that. But then how many people actually gave him the time of day? This is obviously not the part of the Galileans that want to show this part of their people. This is the part of the people who are trying to be forgotten about, who are trying to be set aside, trying to be not looked at. And yet that's where God is going, realizing that this is where the healing comes. This is where the development into better understanding who we are comes. It's not just the people who have it all together. It's also the people who arguably don't have it together and how will we treat them is a better understanding of who we are as Christians, is who we are as people. How do we treat them? I find this is a really interesting time to be having these texts. And just in general, we have Father's Day here in the United States this Sunday. We also have the first time ever being recognized as a federal U.S. holiday, Juneteenth, which is supposed to be recognizing a little bit more of the pain and struggle that enslaved people within the United States have gone through. And we have these texts discussing how we at times put ourselves in those enslaved positions within our own faith. And it's nothing compared to like what these enslaved people went through in their day-to-day lives. But as we're looking at and recognizing that, I think it's also worth acknowledging how often do we enslave ourselves to the constructs of what we understand our faith to be instead of understanding what God wants our faith to be. Are we understanding ourselves more as a tadpole and just woe is me as I'm trying to avoid these fish and trying to figure out how to grow And not realizing that eventually we will become a frog that will be able to get out of the water, be able to be on top of the water, be able to eat the flies and different things, be able to better see the fish as it's coming from below to get away, to hop away. How many people, New Year's resolutions come around, they go to the gym and they don't see the progress as quickly as they want, so they give up. They aren't wanting to make this huge change, dramatic lifestyle change to be able to do what they were hoping they would be able to do quickly takes time. Within my life, during 2020 in particular, between getting engaged and my wedding, I went through a major weight loss journey myself. And it took a lot of work. It took a lot of time. And honestly, there's still more work for me to do personally, but then I haven't put in the work to be able to continue to do it. It was amazing to me as I was going through the major parts of my weight loss. People kept coming up to me and asking me, well, what'd you do? And it was very simple. I ate less, watched a little bit more what I ate, and exercised more. It's not some big foreign concept. And yes, there's hereditary things that play in with everybody, which makes it easier or harder for that type of thing to happen. But it's also... It didn't happen overnight. It took an extended period of time for me to get there. 
It took a lot of work. It took a lot of times where I felt the pain within my legs as I was pedaling my bicycle day after day after day. And slowly I got better. Slowly I got faster. Slowly I got to the point where I could just do it without trying. I could tell myself, do I want this to be an easy workout or a hard workout? And my easy workout was what my hard workout used to be because I kept working at it. The muscles had developed to be able to say, we can take that on. I was becoming something that I didn't realize that I could become in a lot of ways quite quickly within six, eight months. It's actually fairly quickly when we think about it. Jesus is recognizing this person is not just anybody, but yes, there's something that needs, some time needs to be put in here. That there is more that this person has to give, more that this person has to offer than what was being understood at that time and in that space. We, I feel, so often do very similar things with not only ourselves, but with others. And especially as we're looking at this time within our country, the turmoil and our world, the amount of turmoil that we have going on, as we continue to have plenty of conflicts, be it with guns, be it with Ukraine and Russian wars, be it with the economy, be it with whatever else you want to throw in, politics, we don't really always realize the amount of progress that can be made by just doing simple actions. Simple actions of recognizing others. Simple actions of recognizing faults within the self and doing something about that taking the steps that it requires to be able to build muscle, realizing that doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes a process. It takes sitting down and continuing to push yourself to do it. Push yourself to get better and better and better and better so that those muscles develop to keep eating and keep realizing that you are evolving, that eventually you will grow legs, that eventually you'll be able to hop out of the water and yet you will be able to see more broadly than what you were able to see as a tadpole. So the question I have for you this week is where do you need to expand your view? Where do you need to expand your view? And what I mean by that is you're expanding your view so that you can better understand how you can grow. Expand your view to realize that yes, I can build this muscle whatever it is, be it a physical muscle or more of a metaphorical muscle. Understanding that no, I am in this early stage of development of this and I'm still going to develop into something bigger. And that this is going to take time, this is going to take a process but I can be transformed. I will be transformed because I can see that, that this is how God works, that this continuing transformation of over time, time and time and time again. Instead of getting caught into understanding this is where I'm at and this is the way I'm going to always be, recognizing that we can be transformed and are transformed and that shatters these boxes that we make for ourselves. And I think this is an amazing text, amazing group of texts to have so early on in this season after Pentecost, this growing season of this idea of, well, this is as much as I know, then this is the place where you start to dig deeper. This is that time, this is that season where we get to grow and we're gonna work those muscles as we go into digging into some of these texts that are maybe not as familiar to us. But that's what's exciting. That's what continues to help us grow and 
grow stronger and be able to further understand the faith and further understand who God is wanting us as a people and us as individuals to be. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.